Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As always, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on a wild week of soccer news. Not a ton of MLS, but a ton of other stuff that is good news. Maybe we'll definitely get more into, and I don't want to spoil it now, because good things happened specifically for one country and one friend on the pod who was there to watch. It happened for the first time in a very, very long time. I'm pretty sure I saw him on TV. I saw his brother wearing the brightest orange jacket I've ever seen in my life. Killer seats, killer game. I'm not going to spoil it anymore. Connor, what happened? Take it away. Yeah, we had insane seats for the game. Uh, we have season seats for TFC, so it gave us early access to the Canada game, which is the only reason we got tickets, and my dad got really good seats. Um, but, yes, you might have seen my brother in a bright orange jacket on TV. I was right next to him. Uh, but just absurd. Uh, my voice was not the same for, like, two days. <laughs> It was very cold in the second half, but so much fun. Um, and like seeing the passion on the guy's face, we'll dive into it, but you could see the 36 year old years just sort of disappear in the background. And it's great. It was great. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but rest of my week, again, decent. Tomorrow is going to be hell. I have a presentation I have to do at noon. And then five minutes later, when it like when my presentation ends, I have a test. So, so uh, it's not, tomorrow's not going to be fun. But uh, you know, we move. It's school. We have I have like two more weeks left, three more weeks left, and then I graduate. Um, so, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, the Canada thing was nuts. Uh, just unbelievable, Josh. You still have a mustache. I still have not. <laughs> I knew, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, like I knew. It's, I was like, that, like guaranteed later. I was thinking about it earlier today. I was like, later when we record, Connor is going to say, Josh, you still have the mustache. You're going to acknowledge it. Yeah. <laughs> because like, it's still throwing me off. I'm not used to it. I like I said, I'm not, I'm not fully used to it either. We're getting there. We <laughs> get a week. But uh, it was a good week for me. Not as crazy as yours, but I can obviously relate with my uh, world series ticket situation. So drew you're next. We're going to, we got a manifest for you that you're going to get like really awesome seats. Maybe like the, the Hornets in the playoffs against, you know, like some really good team or it's going to be some Charlotte FC pitch side for the independence winning USA. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, 
nothing super crazy for me. I've been enjoying a lot of TV this week. I watched uh, the season premiere of Atlanta, which, like I mentioned last week, super important Thursday night last week because of the premiere of the show. Nothing else going on. No, but yeah, it was really, really good. This this show has been, um, they haven't released anything in like four years. That's how long it's been in between season two and season three. So it was long awaited and well worth the wait, uh, in my opinion. So I really enjoyed that. Um, the Lakers HBO show is still going on. It's, and it was this like fourth or fifth episode. That's been really good. Uh, the newest Disney Plus show came out, Moon Knight, on Wednesday. So lots of fun pop culture stuff. And the there's an Obi-Wan series coming out in July, I think. No, May. Sorry, May, the end of May. And they just announced that they're pushing the release date back two days, but now they're releasing the first two episodes. So that's exciting. So lots of good pop culture stuff and I don't think there's anything crazy in sports with Atlanta this week. I think it was actually pretty tame. I can't even remember if, if something crazy mental. happened. Who? Trey Young went mental because I was playing a guy in fantasy in our finals this week, and he's got Trey Young. Uh, and all of his players have gone just insanely hot. Um, well, all of mine have gone very not. <laughs> but yeah, Trey Young has done really well this week. He's put up. Eh, not that many points, but yeah. Last night he was good because the Hawks scored 85 in the first yes. half against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I like the one time I'm not at all invested in the Hawks game because I'm super invested in the U.S. men's team game. All that happens. The fun stuff happens. Drew, how was your week? Good. It was getting ready home opener. We have um, home opener next week-ish. Week from tomorrow, we play Central Valley Fuego FC first year in the league, so that'll be exciting. Open Cup on Tuesday, North Carolina Fusion U23s. Uh, so getting ready for the season to start, super excited about that. Uh, signed Miguel Ibarra, so that was a wild ride somehow. He's with League One now, but that was fun. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy. Been watching. I started watching – uh oh my gosh what's the name of it the seven kingdoms i think on netflix maybe i don't know i might totally be lying to you um because i tried to watch atlanta then i realized hulu canceled my student subscription because there's like the five dollar spotify and hulu thing and hulu was quick to cancel that so i didn't get atlanta but i'm gonna jump on that uh college basketball is fun duke unc in a couple days final four that's gonna be crazy Oh, do you uh, remember a country singer? Oh, shoot. Crap. What's his name? He canceled his yeah, show. Church. Yeah, to watch UNC. Dude, that's like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars he just threw away to watch a basketball game. This, like, that's a real fan right there. Yeah. This like might be the biggest game like in college basketball history. Coach K's like, now it's his last time playing North Carolina. Final four. Which has never happened before somehow. It's crazy. And to be in the state of North Carolina when this is happening, because I was trying to find a cool place to watch the uh, Panama game in Charlotte, forgetting that North Carolina was playing (laughs) St. Peter's was that game. So everyone in the world besides this state was cheering for St. Peter's, obviously. So I had to go to like seven different restaurants to find a game 
find the soccer game on TV. And like the look I got on like bartenders' faces when I asked them to put the US Panama game on TV <laughs> instead of the North Carolina St. Peter's game, they're like, no, I'm not doing that. It's like, but you're winning by 30. They're like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, go somewhere else. And then I had to go to like a soccer restaurant like 15 minutes away. And even then, there was still the North Carolina game, but there was like one TV in the corner with the men's national team game on. You found it in so, the end. That's I found it in the end. Yeah, in Big Ben's pub. Shout out to Big Ben's. Um, so this is a fun time to be North Carolina. I think the state's going to shut down when that game happens. Yeah, that's going to be nuts. World Cup draw tomorrow too. Yeah, I'm going to be super stressed about that. Yeah, that's going to be great. You lucky SOBs in pot two. Man, uh, I'm not. I'm not stressed. I'm. I'm just excited. You know, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, you get to avoid the group of death, which is insert pot A team and Germany. Because for some reason, Germany's pot two. Which yeah, and then whatever Canada gets lumped in with Germany and that yeah, exactly. Pot A, it's gonna be you know super that's what's crazy. gonna happen. You know that's what's gonna happen. Uh although I really want Portugal because I don't know if you saw what Stephen Eustachio said, but no. Portugal. Because he was he could have chosen Portuguese national team. Oh Canada, and he chose Canada and he wants Portugal. So that could be a lot of fun. And we get Cristiano. Um, I would love to see you guys knock him out. That would, nothing would bring, the only thing that would make me happier than that is if the U S was knocking Ronaldo out. Yeah, that'd be what pot or the Portugal. Pot oh, one. Or pot a. Pot a. Wow. Yeah. Because that's just how high they're ranked. They qualified in the playoffs, but somehow get pot a. Yeah. By the way, you know what I've discovered every single continent's qualification uh pathway or style that they do is, is horrible all of the systems yeah. suck like every single like the fact that senegal and egypt had to play each other and only one could go through that's a crime ghana and nigeria same thing italy having to lose even though they literally had never lost the game no offense to north macedonia who i really wanted to make but Damn. everybody loses it feels like yeah the laser pointers too in that egypt senegal oh gosh that was Absurd. nuts there were like 40 of them <laughs> <laughs> All the African qualifiers were just crazy. I don't know how much you guys watched, but it was like Cameroon and somebody scoring the last second to go through the lasers going on. Just the entire like Africa was exploding. It was nuts. It was nuts. But, you know, we have the same sort of thing happening, CONCACAF, just not as much. Laser. We're just like, a little more used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> or so At least to our particular taste. Every every country, every country, every confederation, I guess, has their own thing. Africa, this one, it was laser pointers. Alcacaf, <laughs> VAR, and and diving. Uh, Europe, a war. Um... <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, that really affected. It did yeah. really affect one of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, what what did they have this year? I guess it was the Italy Portugal situation. Kind of. what, what do you mean like how it got mixed up how everything was like weird in that region yeah i mean it was on it was unlikely that italy and portugal were going to be matched up in the same bracket and then you know poland got the automatic buy against russia because they've been kicked out because of the war but then poland also got to 
uh, host the game against Switzerland. So like that was an inherent advantage with the bye and then uh, getting to host. And they of course went through against uh, Switzerland. So yeah. And then Ukraine still has to play in their playoff, but that's been postponed until what June. Yeah. So that's against it's, Scotland. it's still not even resolved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then winner plays Wales. Yeah, exactly. So as much as I would like to see Ukraine win, I'm Scottish. So I want Scotland to win. And also that game against Wales would be absurd. That would be huge. That'd be, That'd be really huge. Biggest Shame game. it'd have to be in Qatar, right? Isn't that where the playoff is, right. is being played? Suck. Although all of the drunk Scots and the Welsh people would just... Actually, no. I think UEFA does hold theirs in Europe, like with the home team. That's what they were doing this past weekend, so... Oh, okay. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe it's different because it's in June. I'm thinking of the intercontinental playoff. That's yeah. that's what's held in Qatar. Right. So that game would be in either Scotland or Wales. And having been to an England Scotland game, the atmosphere for that would be absurd. Just insane. Uh, but let's dive into MLS stuff because we've been rambling on about uh just a bunch of stupid stuff for the past like 10 minutes. Um there's not a lot to talk about before we go into World Cup qualifying more in depth. Uh, no North Americans abroad because all of them were here. Uh, MLS news. There was only one thing that really happened that was notable. Uh, that being the FC Cincinnati trade with Colorado, where they Cincinnati sent uh, center back Gustavo Valencia, uh, Valencia. Again, Spanish names. I can't say them. Valencia. Valencia. There we go. Uh, to Colorado for. 850,000 in GAM, which is a lot of GAM. I hadn't heard of this guy before. Had either of you? That's negative. negative. I feel like either way, this is a lot of money, but then you add the fact that not really that big of a deal. And yeah, that's a lot of GAM. Yeah, he's like 19, isn't he? I am looking it up now, and he is... Ecuadorian, he's 22. 22. Okay. He played for Barcelona, and that's, or sorry, he was playing for Acas and then loaned to Barcelona, the Ecuadorian Barcelona. Yeah. And then FC Cincinnati, who made it permanent this year, but have now traded him to Colorado. And he's made one cap with the Ecuadorian first team, which was last year. So we were kind of talking about this before, but this doesn't really match the type of move Colorado makes. They only, they usually just go after domestic players. And this is really not a domestic player. No, but it is the kind of player who's going to do incredibly well just because it's Colorado. And these moves always work out for them, right? And that's what I'm saying is that usually when they make those kinds of moves, it's a domestic player, not an international player. So I feel like the jury's out on this one and we might have to see. I'm not as convinced by this as I would their their usual moves. That's what I'll say. Well, is Abubakar American? I'm not sure, but I think he's got a green card because he's been in MLS for a while, and he used to play. He's got an, so he's not. Yeah. But he, like I said, I think he has a because he was playing with Columbus for a while. Oh, he was. With he's 27. Okay. I thought he was one of those players that they took an international shot on. Uh, Sam Vines is American, I think. Yeah, they don't have many random internationals. 
Huh. We'll see if it pays off. Um, they've been very good in terms of scouting in the past. So I'd imagine they see something in him. Otherwise, why would they pay so much? Uh, but I guess technically it is midseason. So maybe if they weren't planning on making any moves in the summer, make some sense to spill some cash now and get a guy you think could have a pretty big impact for you. Who knows? Uh, but taking a shot on a young player, Colorado, FC Cincinnati feels like the one thing they shouldn't be doing is trading center backs. And well, they traded a center back. So yeah, um, they need help desperately. <laughs> but moving on, do we want to do MLS games first or do we want to do World Cup qualifying? Uh, I say MLS games first. All right. We'll start off with Cincinnati's game. Charlotte beat Cincinnati two to nothing. Carl Savadursky uh, scored a brace. Ben Bender got an assist on one of the goals. Um, Charlotte have looked good so far. Uh, honestly, surprised at how good they've looked. Svidersky has been a great signing. Um, the really interesting thing was the Svidersky situation, though. Uh, that being the pull, he wasn't a let released to the Polish national team due to an injury. Um, he wasn't sent. And then the Polish doctor uh, for the national team released a copy of Charlotte's letter saying that he couldn't go because of injury. And then he played a full 90. They did figure out the situation. Apparently this was sort of an injury where it could take a week or two weeks to recover. It sort of depends on how well you heal. What do you guys think about this? Do you think this is sort of a bad look on Charlotte or is this just a situation that happens? You know, I don't – so I'm trying to find the exact tweet um, about it. So, yeah, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this manager's name, but he said, we don't have a grudge against Charlotte. We got a full information from them. Health issues are difficult and complex. One will heal the same injury a day, another one a week, and a third a whole month. We knew that Swiderski was injured and that his break could last from a week to two weeks. We stayed in touch with him. Ultimately, it was decided by someone that he'd stay in the U.S. Um, yesterday, when we saw that Swiderski was in the starting 11, a real storm on Polish Twitter had started. Um, so I like this guy. But, yeah, I think it looks a lot worse than it probably really was. Um, I think if – so my first initial reaction to it was – because I think even last week we talked a little bit about – we weren't sure what his status was. He was kind of training by himself. There were some questions and then he's in the starting 11. And that was kind of surprising. Personally, I didn't even make the connection that Poland had broke up qualifying until I saw that tweet. But when I first saw it, I thought if this is like a thing that continues to happen with the same player, then I think we have an issue, but a one-time offense for a club that has been playing for like 15 minutes, like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Yet some people that were like super like, don't call up Svidersky if he's playing for Charlotte. I was like, okay, let's hold on the brakes. That seems a little excessive. But I wasn't not too worried about it, especially now knowing that this doesn't seem like there's a lot of bad blood, just some fans lost their minds. But if this continues to happen, then I think we have an issue. But 
a one-time offense, nothing too crazy to think about. And Poland won, so, like, it's not the end of the world. I think that probably makes the situation a little better. Like, they're fine. They're through. Um, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, if this continues to happen, then I think we have a real problem that Charlotte and Poland need to address because if Swiderski keeps tearing it up like he is, this might become a thing where he's getting called up a lot more. And I honestly have no idea how often he got called up before Charlotte, but. Yeah, I have no idea either, but uh, it is an interesting situation that we will have to watch. Um, let's go to our next game, though. SKC beating RSL. We're not going to go in depth on this because Johnny Russell scored, and that was it. Uh, yeah. R- but, RSL's first loss of the season. Frauds. Okay. That's frauds. All right. No, number one hater right there. Drew, Drew's like a fan of like all 29 teams and at the very bottom is RSL by they're like 20 percent there it was on the road to be fair and it was a late goal but they're they're one step closer to proving me right (sighs) all right let's move on to our next game Portland and Orlando draw 1-1 Junior Urso scored Orlando's goal Christian Paredes scored Portland's goal in the 80th minute Uh, Jose Van Rankin was sent off in the 76th minute. So Portland were down to 10 men for around 15 minutes. Um, managed to squeak out a draw. Impressive result for them. Van Ramking, I assume, is suspended for this weekend. Um, yeah, look, I haven't watched any MLS games. I, I only saw this Ferdersky stuff, and that was it. Uh, were any of these goals good, or were they all just crap? I had the Portland Orlando game on. Um, I don't really remember the goals, to be honest. I remember the red card. I think I might have uh, been watching something else towards the end. All I'll say about that is pretty impressive from Orlando to get four points on the West Coast these last two weekends. They got this draw, and then they had the win last weekend against the LA Galaxy. That's the first time Orlando have ever gotten two results on the West Coast like that in back-to-back weeks. So I would just say it's a pretty good sign of progress uh, from their side of things. They are on eight points through five games and fourth in the East. So solid start for them. The other side, Portland, um, they've got three draws already, which is the, I want to say it's the most in the league. It's definitely the most in, yep, they're the only team with three draws so far this season. So they're just kind of, there right now very neutral um one thing that was interesting though because i did watch like the very beginning of this game the supporter section was quiet for the first five minutes not a sound from them in protest of the way the organization has handled both the thorns and timbers we talked about a lot last few podcasts just because it keeps coming up in the news Um, mls published their findings of the independent investigation basically found that portland did not try to bribe Andy Polo's uh, partner, but that they obviously withheld that information about the domestic violence incident from MLS. So they were fined $25,000 as a result. It is worth checking out. I think um, if you guys go find Sebastian Salazar, um, he's one of the hosts for football Americas on ESPN plus. He has been all over this, um, obviously, along with Jeff Carlisle, who's been reporting tons of it for ESPN himself. But Salazar has been very consistent about calling out the Portland organization for not handling this properly. Um, you can go see numerous clips of him, you know, ranting on the subject. 
but he also put out a really interesting thread when these findings came out um, about the independent firm that conducted the investigation and how that firm has had a very long history with the league all the way back to when the league was started. So who knows if the investigation itself is actually, you know, done properly or, or done to the best of its ability. We'll probably never find out. Uh, but it was very, very weird to be watching a Portland Timbers game and to just hear basically silence. It did take me a second to realize what was going on because I was like, something feels off. I can't tell what it is. And I was like, oh, supporters are not chanting. I was like, I bet I know why. And then it was ESPN broadcast and Taylor Twelman did end up um, explaining why they were so silent, but just a, just a weird game all the way around, especially with that at the beginning. Yeah. And I'm sure the whole, uh, I guess, atmosphere around that organization has been challenging to start the season for them. Um, but it is also worth noting, you know, worth mentioning, I should say that, the club did put out an announcement yesterday about this time yesterday. We're recording this on a Thursday, so it was Wednesday afternoon. They did list a bunch of initiatives and statements about moving forward from this and basically the action and steps they're going to take. For me personally, I'd have to give it another read, but from what I was seeing, it wasn't necessarily specific enough for me. But I think if they can follow through with some legitimate action, then this will help repair their relationship with their fan base because. It's really fractured right now. And, you know, as we've talked about, just so many issues that have gone on for a while now. So it will probably take some time, but hopefully they can put some action behind those, these initial words. Yeah. Uh, they need to do better. And we've talked about that a lot in the past. The organization needs to do better. And frankly, all sports need to do better. Um, because just if like, it's just, it's so dumb. It's so stupid that this stuff keeps happening. Um, but Let's move on to World Cup qualifying because that was sort of what was basically all of our weeks solely. Um, we'll start on the Thursday. U.S. went all out against Mexico, played a full team, got a one or zero zero draw against Mexico in the Azteca. Impressive result. Uh, they definitely should have scored. <laughs> there were some very, very easy tap-in chances that were missed. I think it was Jesus Ferrer who missed him, was it? it was Christian Ballistic had a really bad miss. Ballistic. Jordan Pifak had a really bad miss. Ferrer Pifak, did have a miss, but Pifak and Ballistics were definitely the worst of the two. Yeah, they should have had at least two. Um, that was a very – it was a good result because they got a point and ultimately that allowed them to qualify and – a bit more um i guess leeway uh in their game against costa rica but yeah would have liked uh a win but look you're through so who cares canada on the other hand lost their first game of world cup qualifying to costa rica one nothing mark anthony k got a it was a very his first tackle that earned him the yellow card very bad challenge uh I call it an orange card that was borderline red to a yellow. He then just is so stupid. He like walks in and bumps a Costa Rican player who, by the way, they were diving all night and it was so infuriating, but 
Costa Rican goes down. K gets the second yellow. He's gone. Canada down to 10 men. They played so well in the second half and deserved a goal, but they just couldn't get it done. Um, Why is that, Connor? Who, who was uh, playing goalkeeper for Costa Rica? Uh, a guy by the name of – who actually came off injured, I think, last night, Kaylor Navas. Oh, I know who Kaylor Navas is. This this podcast knows who Kaylor Navas is. <laughs> yeah, this podcast audience knows who Kaylor Navas is. The best goalkeeper, not the best. The best in player no. No. in CONCACAF. Was Alfonso Davies on the field when Canada clinched? Nope. He okay, had no part I'm of sorry. it. He had a when, but when Costa Rica, but when Costa Rica secured 21 of their final 24 points or whatever absurd stat it was here at the end, you know who came through? Mr. Kaylor Navas. You know who left injured? Mr. Kaylor Navas. So? So he still did his job. Why why are you putting an injury against him in this case? Why are you putting okay? No, I'm saying I'm saying the importance of him to his team is way more important, therefore making him the best. No, 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 no. That's like saying the best player on North Macedonia is better than the best player in Italy. Like, yeah, I could I could see an argument for that. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Don't disrespect Pandev like that. So. Don't disrespect Pandev like that. Uh, he's not as good as Lorenzo Insigne or uh, Donnarumma or Chiellini, or do I need to keep going? Jorginho, like, come on. He's probably, boil. okay, you know what, we're not doing this. Um, Canada lost the game one nothing. They were really good in the second half, really pushing. Almost got a, almost did it, almost did it. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't stay undefeated, but they put themselves in a, they they just they put themselves in a position to where they could lose that game because they had a pretty easy opponent, if we're being honest, on Sunday against Jamaica. Jamaica did not send their full team at all. Uh, I don't think Leon Bailey or Andre Gray. Oh, Andre Gray might have, but I know Leon Bailey didn't travel. They didn't even pick Mikel Antonio for the squad because they were already eliminated. So Canada just walked over them. Four nothing win. Three of them scored by Canada. One by Jamaica. Um, I don't know if either of you saw that on goal. Just yikes! Just yikes! <laughs> uh, not good on the Jamaican defender's part. Um, but yeah, they look really, really good. Uh, officially qualified, first time in thirty six years, which is just nuts. Um, 18, 1986 was the last time they did it. So making history, uh, finally getting in exciting, happy, uh, as always was there. So, you know, that was an insane environment. Kamal Miller, Alistair Johnson. were so happy. It was hilarious watching them. Eustachio was very good. Junior Hoylet scored a really nice goal. I don't know if you saw that, but great goal off a corner. I don't know how he got that ball out of his feet, but yeah, that happened. U.S. then followed it up with their own four-goal win, uh, dominating Panama 5-1. to one. They basically ran over them. Um, Christian Pulisic, he, was it a hat-trick? I didn't realize it was a hat-trick. Mm-hmm. Two pins wow. and a banger. Wow. Good for Christian Pulisic. That's nice from him. Uh, Jesus Ferrer and Paul Ariola scored the other two goals. Um, 
Annabelle Godoy scored Panama's goal and was also responsible for the two penalties they gave up. Um, I believe that's Nashville, Annabelle Godoy, right? Yeah, yeah, and he committed his first penalty on his captain, Walker Zimmerman. Yes. Choking like, him. It was horrible. Grabbing his throat. Yeah. Um that was a that was aggressive. That was very aggressive and very unnecessary. Um but yeah, five on win. What did you guys think about that game? Were you happy with their performance or do you think more could have been done? Because I saw some people on Twitter, I think it was Matt Doyle especially, um, sort of saying like they look like crap, but they're scoring. So, yeah, I think the general consensus of that game is the five-one score line might be a little deceptive, but when the moments came, the U.S. took advantage of them, which is something the U.S. hasn't really done particularly well in previous games, especially in that game, where doesn't matter how you get it done, doesn't matter if it's pretty or what, as long as you win it's fine. Right. And then you talk about goal differential and adding four makes it much better, which how would that, I I totally don't know how the table finished out. So the U S has a plus six goal differential. Okay. So yeah, winning by four obviously came in big there. Um, Possibly could have had five. I think I was just hoping for a clean sheet when it was obvious that the U S was going to win but couldn't have done that. But yeah, I mean, I think it was don't really care about playing pretty soccer right now, especially because it's CONCACAF and nothing really matters. Just win the game and get out of there. Um, So, I mean, the U S probably didn't play good enough to win five, one, but they had their chances. They took advantage of them where when you have a situation like Mexico, they played pretty well, but didn't put them away. And then I get it. The Azteca is a very difficult place to play. doesn't really get a lot of points there but very well could have been leaving that game with three points. Um, but you didn't take advantage of the chances. They did five, one winners. So yeah, winning by four probably wasn't the most deserved thing. You could look at expected goals or whatever, things like that. Um, but it wasn't pretty, but CONCACAF isn't pretty. So, I mean, honestly, I think we talked about the Costa Rica game. I thought the U S played better than losing by two, but Keller Navas is a freak. And there's some other goalkeeping issues on the other side that we'll probably talk about later, but yeah, wasn't pretty, but you got the job done. And in CONCACAF, that's all that matters. Yeah, and I'm going to ask Josh's opinion on the games after we go through the last two, uh, sort of more of a general overview on it. But uh, Canada then played Panama on, well, last night, Wednesday night. Uh, they lost one nothing, missed out on Pellet C because of it. Uh, they were still finished top of the table, though, which is good. I don't know. The VAR is annoying and I hate it, uh, but also don't hate it at the same time. If they could actually do it properly, it would be great, but they can't. Um, so yeah, that was very frustrating. Uh, I don't like Panama at all, uh, but they're a very good team and I don't like that. Uh, but yeah, finished top C, uh, finished topped of the table. Didn't get pot C us on the other hand, lost to Costa Rica two to nothing. Um, they officially qualify after missing out on 2018 in the game that we will not mention. Um, <laughs> uh, can we talk about though for a second quickly before I get Josh, your opinion on all the U S's performances, you better not roast us right now. No. How stupid is it that Canada has to go into the worst pot 
despite the fact that they finished top of the table in World Cup qualifying. Isn't that incredibly stupid? I mean, yeah. I don't think it should come down to FIFA ranking in the way that it does. However, at the same time, Canada's, you know, kind of rise here is somewhat, you know, surprising. It's not like anybody really saw that it was going to be this fast. We all saw the potential for sure. Okay, chill out. No, Nobody, come on. Hey, if, if years if ago, when we started, ago, I was saying Canada can qualify for this World Cup. It's not out of the question. They can qualify for this World Cup. And I will stand to that. You were. I, you were. Saw this coming. I remember when you said it. At the same time, though, from like an overall general sense, and come on, let's be honest, is, are the people well, okay. responsible for these rankings really looking at every single country around the world? No, they were clearly not watching Canada closely enough. But also, it took a while for Canada to really get all of those results that started pushing them up in the rankings. Should they be higher? Yeah, probably. But the you know the way the rankings are, just sometimes it's just kind of arbitrary. Either way, I don't think this really hurts them that much. I don't think it matters who Canada plays, what group they're in. If they have the right amount of players that are healthy, that's what I think. That's all they need to get to the knockout stage, to get out of their group. Because, yeah, the, the team is just really good. They're coached well. They're, they clearly all mesh really well together. It's just about who's available come November. Yeah, and that was I, on my other show. Um, I do a radio show on Ryerson Student Run, radio station Spirit Live, uh, every week. And on our last episode, every episode would do a thing called hot takes. My hot take is Canada makes it to the knockout stage. Um, this team is very good, but Josh, I want your overall perspective on the U S's performance. This window. Did you like Greg Berhalter going for it in Mexico or would you rather have he just sort of almost thrown that game away and sort of saved his players to go all out in the Costa Rica and Panama games. So prior to the games actually kicking off and Berhalter actually selecting his lineups and obviously the results we got, I was of the mind that the U S should rest and be ready to go for the final two games. Since again, like we said last week, the result against Mexico really had no bearing on the U S it was all, it was always going to be about Panama, um, but Costa Rica as well to some, to some extent. However, I think Berhalter played it well in the first two games. I think putting out a strong lineup in Mexico proved to be the right idea, and the team proved it by dominating Mexico for pretty much 80 minutes. It's just, again, it's just a shame they couldn't get a single goal because they really deserved one. They were creating the chances. They were playing Mexico off the field. And that, by the way, in and of itself, the fact that the U.S. was able to do that twice this year, um, Canada as well, I mean, it speaks to, again, how – much Canada and the U S have improved over just the last couple of years. Also maybe Mexico stagnating a little bit, of course, but I thought the U S played really well. So I, I did like Berhalter's choice to go the really strong first choice lineup. Uh, and now of course, obviously he played his hand well against Panama too with the, he, he rotated, I think four players. And I think that was the right call. Uh, you know, as for how the U S played the Panama game, I think they came out flat and they almost got punished for it. They were lucky not to, and the penalty, you know, thankfully Godoy was really dumb about the kind of foul he conceded and, and just conceding a foul in the box in the first place. Um, and if not for that penalty, I'm not sure the game would turn out the way it did because that was a pretty early enough penalty to kind of, I think, calm 
the players down and just get them on the same page with the support of the fans behind them. Cause at times early on, it felt like the fans were almost trying to will the players to step it up because Panama's energy was much higher than the U.S.'s to start. So I think the five, one eventually was deserving. And I feel like there was kind of this holdover from the Mexico game of like frustration, all these chances the U.S. made against Mexico and couldn't capitalize. And it's like the dam kind of burst against Panama and they sort of made up for that a little bit. So I thought Burhalter did a good job rotating out for Panama. Now, I take real issue with the Costa Rica game, though. I don't know that the U.S. would have won or gotten a result had Burhalter rotated the lineup, but I felt he should have regardless. It was really obvious that the players were tired. It was really obvious that guys were tired. And you look at their own quotes after the game, right? And they said, we just switched off twice and got burned on set pieces. Okay. Totally reasonable. Like I am an Atlanta United fan. I'm used to seeing it. Right. However, this is probably a product of some sort of mental tiredness from having pushed at altitude against the Azteca pushed even more to get the result you needed against Panama. Right. I didn't understand why Burhalter rolled out the exact same Mexico lineup. That really frustrated me. Then the other thing of course was Zach Steffen. And he was just a mess. We'll get into a little. Uh, we'll get into it a little more when we talk winners losers um, for Canada and the U.S. But he had a horrible game. Um, I I was reading somewhere some people speculating that maybe Ethan Horvath was one of the recipients of that stomach bug that went through the U.S. About thirty players and staff members were affected throughout this window, and that certainly played a factor, I'm sure, in this Costa Rica game as well. But Stefan getting all three stars is not good, and. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what comes out of that, but overall, I think, you know, clearly Burhalter did the right thing because what did the U S do? They qualified for the world cup. That's been the goal all along. They did it. That's all anybody needs to take away from this. But for my own personal opinion, I do really wish he had rotated and we'd seen some other players for Costa Rica. Cause guess what? Costa Rica was playing its B team. They had nine guys in yellow card yeah. trouble and they held out eight of them. So all they did was trot out 10 kids and Kaylor Navas. And that will get you to, like to a certain level, but I felt if the U S had rotated fresher players in, then they probably would have been able to wear down the Costa Rican team and gotten some goals at least by the end and probably not switched off mentally for those two set piece goals. So overall good. Just wish uh, the Costa Rican game had been just a little bit different. Yeah. And I think the big reason they did that is an incredibly stupid rule, like unbelievably stupid, but yellow cards carry over to the intercontinental playoff so had somebody gotten a second yellow they would have been suspended for the intercontinental playoff that's just stupid first of all um but they didn't really have a choice and i guess they figured we're not getting six against the u.s despite how terrible zach stefan was in that game um they're not getting six so let's try the kids and we'll play Kaylor navas so it's not a complete embarrassment Let's do winners and losers of this international window for players, not teams. Because uh, I'm curious to see who you say for the U.S. And I want you to go first. Both of you. Even though we only have one list with players in. Who are your big winners and who are your big losers from this international window for the U.S.? I'll uh, I'll take a couple of the winners and I'll let Drew grab one and I'll let him talk about at least one of the losers. I think probably the only one, but 
As far as I'll, I'll pick two winners, one Tyler Adams, because of that stupid yellow card rule, he'd been sitting on a yellow card since the second game of world cup qualifying. Tyler Adams played every single game on a yellow card and never got the second yellow. So that, that in and of itself is incredible. So I would consider him a winner from this window, even though he's been a penned in starter since, you know, he became healthy again. And then another winner was a guy who wasn't even with the team for this window because he's got an ankle injury, but Matt Turner, because I think finally people are starting to wake up to valuing shot stopping versus passing out of the back. For me personally, when it comes to a knockout round game or a knockout round tournament and international play where teams only get together so often, I think shot stopping should be the more valued approach when it comes to goalkeeping because at the end of the day that's what you're going to need to stop goals from going in whereas being able to build up out of the back i think is a an approach that i would take with a club team when you're meeting very consistently and you can work through those patterns of play not to say that the u.s hasn't they've been doing it since burhalter took over so after four years i would like to think that they can handle that but there are some players that are better with their feet than the shot stopping so i think matt turner kind of got a a little bit of an advantage from not being with the team just because of how Zach Steffen performed, which we'll get that from Drew, Drew now. You know, let's talk about the winners and losers. Yeah, I think the only loser I'll, – I'll say some winners that is not currently in the list. Um, Anthony Robinson I thought was a winner for me. I thought he played really well in that left-back position. I saw a stat, just like all the added goals he added, but I thought he played really well. Also, how did he not tire out? He was making like, like line breaking sprints all the way down the left side of the game against Costa Rica in like the 70th minute. I was like, how? And he played every minute of every single game. I was like, how is this guy doing this right now? But Anthony Robinson, I thought was really good. Um, Gio Reyna, I thought was really well. Obviously, everyone I think has seen that crazy run um, in the Azteca. So that, and whenever he just got on the field, he just made these crazy passes that were super creative and super effective in creating chances. Now they've never really got finished. I think he probably had multiple instances of crazy passes that just couldn't get the job done. I forgot who missed his chance against Mexico, but there's the picture of it looks like LeBron um, and J.R. Smith type situation where he made a good pass. But uh, yeah, so those are my two winners that were down on the list, uh, Anthony Robinson and Gio Reyna. Um, losers that... The only, really the only one I could think of was a clear-cut loser. Uh, Josh just put someone else in the list that he can talk more about in a second. But I think the clear-cut loser from this window was Zach Steffen. Um, There's a stat that Matt Doyle tweeted out, or like a picture of a stat uh, Paul Carr tweeted out, just like comparing all the goalkeepers in the window, clear-cut, number one, Killer Navas. He was above everyone, not even close. Um, and Zach Steffen was 12th out of 13 keepers that appeared in this window. Um, a negative 1.46 goal. I'm not sure what goals. It's, it's basically expected goals against versus expected goals conceded, right? So it's how many was he supposed oh, to give up versus how many did he actually give up? Goal saved above expected. Exactly, which is why Navas is like a what? Yeah. Isn't he like a plus 4.5 or something insane 4. like that? 4.97, where Jean plus 2.75 a second. Which tracks because both of those guys were fantastic and they saved yeah. a few games for their teams. There are big reasons why 
Canada and Costa Rica finished so high, but yeah. Andre Blake in third, shout out, plus 2.52. So yeah, Zach Steffen, that was, I think he was a clear cut loser. And I think Doyle made a good tweet that for some reason it just felt, has felt like he's untouchable, maybe just because he has that nice Man City name beside him. And in the post game after Costa Rica, um, the, I don't know what stream you guys were watching, but I was watching on Paramount Plus, so like Dempsey, all those guys were talking about possibly getting him on loan between getting ready for Qatar in November, um, which might be beneficial. I mean, this window was rough. We changed something because this was bad. Uh, first goal, he got a hand on, so I'm not too... He No, he had to do better with that header. He had I mean, it was, it was so bad. Yeah, like, I mean, he got no, a Zimmerman... Zimmerman mainly at fault for that goal. Stefan's got to do better with that. I mean, every goal I feel like you could watch. In the second goal, for some reason, Miles Robinson ducks. I think he misread it, but it looked like he just got out of the way of the ball. So I'm blaming Miles more. But Zach, I mean, that Miles shouldn't have been in that situation anyway because Zach Stefan just came out and smacked it. Yeah, my other problem with that is how shaky he was against Panama in the game before, which – Got, we got lucky. There was that one goal he almost conceded in the first half. There was the goal he conceded in the second half. The way he come, came out for crosses against Panama and, of course, against Costa Rica, too. So the it, I do agree to an extent, Drew. Like, you know, it's not all on Stefan. Uh, obviously, yeah, he could have done better. But I think that combined with the way he performed against Panama just – yeah. This rough, has been a consistent, consistent issue, and specifically crosses has been a weird – I think it like you watch it one game, you're like, okay, whatever. The crosses are a struggle. And now we're finishing qualifying. It's like, huh, that was a weird thing that he struggled with the whole time. That's not good. So that was a clear cut loser. Um, but he's going to the World Cup. Maybe we'll see him get on loan to get some playing time, help me figure that out. But because I mean, it's cool having that Man City name beside you and he gets the training at some of the best players in the world. But we've said multiple times there's nothing like actually playing real first team minutes against competition. And I mean, he could go to a solid side and get first team minutes and maybe that'll be better than just sitting in the man city training. But yeah, he was a clear cut loser. I thought, um, I think that's been a general consensus and therefore Matt Turner is a winner, but he was not there. I saw a video of him with his dog that made me happy. So maybe he gets that fat Arsenal name beside him and maybe that'll get up to it. But yeah, Zach Steffen, I thought was a clear loser because he has had multiple instances of yikiness, shakiness might be the better word to describe it. Yeah. Uh, Josh, put one down one more name quickly. Who is it and why? It's Jordan Peefock, man. He he does so well with young boys in the Swiss League. Is he the he guy just, that missed that rain of chance? He, he had it, yeah. Okay. No, I think it might have been Ferrer that missed that, but Peefock still had a really perfect chance in front of goal and he just put it way wide, and he was, like, in the six-yard box. It was still a really embarrassing miss. But I don't think it was the end of that Reyna one. But, yeah, and, and the rough part for this for me is, like, I really like Pifak, and, again, he does so well in Switzerland. But the couple of times he's gotten a chance with the U.S., other than that goal against, I think it was Honduras in the Nations League, uh, that last-minute goal that he scored, other than that, he has not been good for the U.S. And so I think he might have played himself out of the team and – you know, lucky for him, he's a striker, and that seems to be the one position we can't figure out with the U.S. team. So maybe he still has a chance to make it on the, the roster for the World Cup, but uh, he's running out of opportunities for sure. 
Yeah, let's do Canada now. Uh, quickly, my big my my loser only because he just didn't get played, which I felt was kind of weird. Who's actually experienced a lot of success in league on this season, uh, where he's on loan is Ike Ugbo. Uh, guy didn't get any minutes, and that sucked. Uh, felt bad for him because uh, he, he deserved minutes, and he only came on late as a sub against Panama, but. Yeah, that was my only real loser. Uh, Ismail Kone didn't look great, but, you know, he got on the field as a 19-year-old, and that's very notable. Um, it's going to take him a little bit of time to get used to that sort of big stage and is what it is. My winners, everybody, because they all qualified. Uh, but main winner being, I thought Alistair Johnson was incredible, all window. Um, Milan Borian was good again. Uh Kyle Aaron, Jonathan David, Stephen Eustachio. Uh, I thought Junior Hoylett looked really good. You know, the team looked pretty solid. There were a couple holes, but ultimately I thought they played well, and it is what it is. Big loser, by the way, Canadian social media, because they, after the red card against Mark Anthony K, there were a bunch of racist tweets directed towards him. That's a pile of BS. Um... Don't do that. You're an idiot if you do, period. I Odds are you aren't listening to this show if you do that kind of stuff. But if you are, don't. Don't be a moron. Um, it's wrong. It's not appropriate. It's just so messed up. Um, don't do that, like, ever, period. It's never okay. Um, but, yeah, Canada qualified. Herdman, I thought, good Always a winner because I love John Herdman. Let's do players of the week, goals of the week, and games to watch. Let's start off with our players of the week. And we're going a little weird this week. Um, obviously, there was very limited MLS action. Drew has actually picked an MLS player. Josh and I have picked MLS players, but for their international teams. So we'll start off with the guy who didn't cheat, Drew. Who is your player of the week? And I really want to hear you say this name. Okay. My player of the week. What? Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's right. I forgot I did that. Okay. Christian Kalina, Charlotte FC's keeper. That's bad. Hey. Uh, He made a bunch of big saves um, in Charlotte FC's win over Cincinnati. Kind of yucky that Cincinnati ripped Charlotte's defense apart like that. But he made some big saves and kept him in it. So I went with that one. I don't think I've done a goalkeeper in a while. So I had to give some credit when it's due. So he got my player of the week vote. Nice. Josh, you're going way off the board, but an MLS player. Who did you go with? I picked Christian Pulisic, as has been the case so far this season. If you get a hat trick, you're my player of the week. <laughs> And he did get a hat trick. So, wait, no, that's not who I picked. I'm sorry. I'm mixing yeah. up my players. My I bad. You were joking. No, sorry. That was my goal of the week. Spoilers. No, my player of the week was really out of, out of left field. I picked Bill Tuiloma. So, I picked an MLS player, but because of his performance with New Zealand, he scored. I think we said it on last week's podcast, but he scored for New Zealand for the Kiwis in their first uh, qualification game or whatever it was. And then in the um, final against Solomon Islands for who goes to the intercontinental playoff to play Costa Rica. He scored yet again, and they won that game. I think it was five, nothing. So he came away with two goals this week. 
So I picked Bill Tuiloma. I would have picked Pulisic second, I say. I'll, I'll say that. That'll be my rationalization for... Yeah, we talked about it last week. No, like I thought they were playing somebody else. They played two, at least two games, if not three, this window. No, I thought they were playing somebody else in the Intercontinental Playoffs. They're playing Costa Rica. Playoffs, World Cup 2022. I swear they were playing someone else. Listen to this guy, Mr. My team qualified with like three games left in the season, and I never even had to worry about who I was playing in the playoff while the rest of us doomsday prepped and knew it was going to be Solomon Islands or New Zealand the whole time. Oh, yeah, you're right. I thought they were getting... Yes, I know. Like I said, we've been freaking oh. out. I thought we were getting through. I'm way off base. My bad. Uh, I'm very confused. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, I'm very wrong. Yeah, uh, Costa Rica, New Zealand, that'll be a good game. My player of the week, Alistair Johnson, as always, some incredible tackles uh, in the Panama game. Looked very good when he came on as a sub in the Jamaica game. Very good in the Costa Rica game, too. I'm a big, big fan of his. Um, seems like just a good guy, too. So, yeah, that's my player of the week. Goals of the week. Uh, Josh, you've previewed yours. What's it definitively? Yeah, big Tristan Pulisic. And it was his third goal of his hat trick performance against Panama. Just some excellent touches. Um, a lot of people said he didn't do that first touch intentionally. And so he got online and said, no, I did mean to do that <laughs> and defended himself. So that was pretty funny to see. It's, it's fun. He, he had some good Instagram comments this weekend between defending himself for the touches of the goal and telling the team account to take down the picture of him with the tiny hat. So <laughs> it was, it was a good uh, window for Christian Pulisic all around. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he had a good window, uh, which is weird because he normally doesn't when he's with the U.S. True, um, very true. But that goal was really nice. Uh, Drew, what was your goal of the week? I went with Svidersky's second goal. I was at a um, Charlotte soccer pub when it happened, and the place went kind of crazy when he scored. Um, so that was pretty fun, and it was a banger. So he has been tearing it up as of late. His second of two goals in his brace, which take it away, Connor. Yeah, I went with the first one. Not well, he, it was a good finish, first of all. But I thought the build-up play was really nice. I thought they really built up from the back and broke Cincinnati into pieces, basically. Um I thought it was a great goal. Uh so yeah, I went with that second goal, even though it wasn't as Flashy for Svidersky, like a great finish. It was a great team goal, and I was very impressed. Let's do games to watch before we do our fantasy update because Josh loves our fantasy updates, and it's his favorite segment that we do on this podcast. We'll start with Josh. What is your game to watch? I am going with Chicago-Dallas on Saturday. That's going to be the first MLS game back this weekend, jam-packed Saturday, like just yeah, I think uh, all but one game this weekend is on Saturday, so it's a lot. But yeah, I am really interested to see these two teams match up against each other. Both were really starting to figure things out right before the international break. And so I am just, I want to see if they can continue that. I think Chicago has a little bit of the advantage in playing at home. Um, can Shakiri continue to leave a mark on the team? Um, will Dallas be at full health, full fitness with Ariola and Ferreira and whoever else coming back from international duty. So that's going to be my game of the week. 
Drew, what is your game of the week? I went with New England, New York Red Bulls. Uh, the Revs finally get to rest a little bit. I feel like in the Red Bulls are off to a good start. This game currently is a matchup between 5th and 11th. So Red Bulls, good start. Revs kind of taking some CCL hits and things like that. So maybe this is a good shot for the Revs to turn it on, finally get in that normal mode we're used to them being in. Um, but they have to do it against a good team. And I don't know where it is, but that's going to be a tough test because the Red Bulls are hot right now. And my game to watch is Columbus versus Nashville, 6 p.m. on Saturday. Two very good teams, um, both having players, I think, return from international duty. Uh, Columbus may not actually. Um, anyone sort of key. But Nashville having Walker Zimmerman and Godoy returning from international duty. How much will they factor in? Can they get rolling? Can both teams get rolling? Uh, yeah, just two very good teams going at it. So that's my game to watch. Let's do our favorite segment, our fantasy update. Josh, can you do the fantasy update for us? No, I don't have it pulled up. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll do it. We'll start with, hey, this is actually very appropriate. First place in our MLS Multiplex League is U.S. Men's National Team SC. Uh, sitting on 414 uh, with Prisbjorka. I'm, I'm going to butcher that throughout the entire season. Uh, second, interestingly, also related to what I just said, more on FC because I can't say the name. Uh, sitting on 412 uh, with Snee or Snee. And then Avenue B FC with Ketchum is sitting in third on 401. Um, we'll do top five because I always do top five. Two twos in a row. Nelson is sitting in fourth and Real ABC uh, with Verdeja sitting in fifth with 368. In terms of us, I need to go all the way down to the bottom to take a look at Mr. Josh Boland, who is sitting in 22nd out of 24. Um, 192 points. Nice. It's pretty good. You're eight back of Parker, who's... Interestingly, all of the Atlanta United supporters are in a row from 18th to 22nd uh, or 19th to 22nd. Josh, that's because we have a real team to watch instead of the stupid fantasy stuff. Well, Drew is leading the charge. Sitting sitting with 235, 10 points up on Josh's brother sitting in 20th. Good job, Jared. Uh, yeah, Jared, make fun of him. Force him to do this thing. Uh, it, just insult him endlessly. I am making us less embarrassing. Sitting in eighth place. Doing pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that, considering where I started. 339 points. Fairly comfortably. Uh, oh, actually, not comfortably at all. I've got Ivar Nanales, uh right behind me, sitting on 334. So... See if I could pass our good friend from last year, older goaler, um, who's had a good week this week too. Um, but yeah, that's our fantasy update. I have nothing else to say. Uh, Canada is going to a World Cup in my lifetime, and the U.S. is also going to world to a World Cup finally again. It's weird to say that, but here we are. Anything either of you want to leave us with? 
first time ever that the U.S. and Canada will go to a World Cup together. Because last time in 1986 when Canada appeared, the U.S. was not in that tournament. Wow. That is very interesting. Insane. Historical. Historical. We don't get qualifying until 2030. Congratulations, boys. We don't have to deal with this World Cup qualifying BS <laughs> for another five or six years. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do for the 2026 World Cup for CONCACAF country hopefully we can all get invited to like copa america stuff like that some other international tournaments that would be very nice how many teams are going to qualify from Concacaf? it's a good question and that's when they go to the expanded 48 team tournament so yeah we could be looking at like six Concacaf teams which would be crazy getting costa rica and maybe panama or uh jamaica whoever in yeah, 2026 is going to be fun, but we got 2022 to worry about first. And the draw is tomorrow, 11 a.m. as we're recording this. So hopefully Canada doesn't get screwed and hopefully the U.S. don't either. But that's it. Thank you for listening. Drew, say your spiel. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening. As we go on about World Cup nonsense, MLS nonsense, we really appreciate it. Um, be sure to visit the website, MLSmultiplex.com, to check out a lot of awesome written content from our writers for national team stuff, MLS stuff, and everything in between. I'm sure we'll have some awesome posts about World Cup draws and group stage and things like that, so be sure to check out the website. You can check out the website on Twitter at MLSmultiplex to see stories as they get tweeted. Um, you can find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville to check out our fun takes about the group stage, soccer, and everything. So be sure to check us out on Twitter. Be sure to leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing ways of how we can get better. And please, please, please hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate when you guys follow along all of our wonderful podcasting journeys. So be sure to hit the subscribe button and give us a review. And be sure to tune in next week as we have World Cup draw reactions. And MLS is back, full week coming ahead of us. So we will definitely have a lot of soccer to talk about. So tune in next week into the subscribe button so you don't miss next week's episode. And we will talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.